So uh, demanding son of a bitch. Formula One dropout? The possessor of the slowest ever lap of Monaco. And uh, Jim Clark's brake pad buddy. Skip Barber. If you could describe this dinner with racers we just had in one word, what would it be? Long. You were really proud that you had your word and it was long? Long. It's the grin that comes with it that sells me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. This I and now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Oh, I'm a driver. I'm very angry. The sound of a driver on the radio during a race. What do you think I should go with? Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley. And I'm Sean Heckman. And over the course of the last year, we were really busy working on our Amazon Prime TV show. Some of you may have already seen it, but right now on Amazon Prime, you can go look up Dinner with Racers, and we have six episodes that we put out a few months ago that also came out with some podcasts related to those episodes. Meanwhile, we thought, you know what? We've driven 15,000 miles. We're going to take a six-month trip here. We might as well get some regular podcasts, too. So we utilized our time wisely, I'm saying with quote fingers, and we went to Lime Rock Park for a race, and a couple days afterwards, we went and met with people in the area, including Mr. Skip Barber. Skip Barber is absolutely one of the most known names in racing schools to ever exist. The Skip Barber Racing School, featured on the refrigerator of the Seinfeld Show. It's been in every car magazine you've ever seen, and they've had so many well-known drivers come through their schools, including F1 drivers, NASCAR drivers, you name it. So Skip himself, however, had an amazing career, making his way all the way to Formula One prior to starting the driving schools. So we were able to sit with Skip and talk to him a bit about his career and how he ended up becoming the owner of Lime Rock Park. So on National Onion Ring Day, uh, we went out to the, is it Interlochen or Interlaken? I can never tell. Uh, but the Interlaken yeah, whatever. in restaurant out in uh, Lakeville, Connecticut. And we talk about such things as using your college tuition to pay for racing. Holding a lap record at Monaco. Trying to ruin Harvey Postlethwaite's reputation. Now, of course, nothing works better with podcasting than mentioning other podcasting. And Skip has his own show called Driven with Skip Barber, and you should check that out. Also, you'll learn about turning down a ride from Frank Williams. Never heard of him. So we were pretty worn out, and it was really nice to be able to be driven that 1.3 miles from Lime Rock Park to the Interlochen Inn for dinner. And our DWR legal counsel, Mr. Michael Avenatti, was able to do that for us. If you two don't shut up, I'm holding you in contempt of this MDX. And, of course, we were able to get there because of our reliable vehicle, which was, uh, what was that, Ryan? My Acura MDX. And it had what kind of tires? They'd be Continental tires. Now, that's how Skip Barber would say it, but how would you say it? Ah, right. I would say it like Continental Tires. Cross Contact LX Sport. Take it away, Mr. Skip, Skip Barber. Barber. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Hey, how are you? Come with a drink. What's going on? This is like 
Is that your stuff? I'm Sean. Is that just straight vodka? How are you, sir? Ryan. Well, I think this is better than bringing the vodka. This is sugar-free. Oh, okay. Oh, well, he is us fancy. Fancy. Yeah. So I was under the impression this is your restaurant, so to speak. Like, this is the place you like to go. But yet you sneak your own drinks in? Uh, Not quite. Um, I have... I've been on a diet and then okay. been so badly off of it. <laughs> Welcome to our world. You okay. Try a road trip. Doing podcast. A- He's yeah. a podcast oh, wait, guy. You started doing a podcast. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. So you ever heard of like uh, the freshman 15? It's a thing in college. <laughs> I am podcast. completely lost in this conversation. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. Do you do this normally? This is how it goes. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's no introductions. We just go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, when I went to college in the 60s. Um, <laughs> the uh, there's this thing called the freshman 15 where in your first year of college you're oh, away from course. home you gain right, weight right. so we have what's called the podcast oh plenty <laughs> yeah uh, where we go on a road trip record podcasts um, I won a uh, gin and tonic and I brought my own tonic thank you and bring back what's left <laughs> So every road trip we go on for these, we inherently gain 25 pounds. <laughs> Some people train for the racing season. We actually train for the off season because that's when we're going right, you know, right. to do the worst of it. Yeah. So. so you get it. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So, Thank you. Um, do you have any idea what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I, yeah, yeah, I do. Are and you I, lying? I have a, no. Okay. I, and I, I have a feeling you're really having fun. <laughs> I'm serious. We're, we're putting yeah. on a good show. Yeah. No, no, I'm serious. I, I'm doing a. I just started doing a podcast. Yeah. I'm not with somebody, maybe unfortunately. Yeah. And I thought that would be a chore, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, and, okay. And this weekend I did Tom and program. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we having, don't speak of that here. We're going to bleep that we're all out. Bleep that all yeah. out. <laughs> okay, so we'll say they're having a lousy time. We'll lie yeah, yeah, and yeah, say yeah. they're having a lousy you time. Were. <laughs> anyway, go on. So you're enjoying your podcast life. Yeah, and, and, um, and I... Seriously, I gather you guys are. And, <laughs> and you've done a gazillion of them, right? Over 100? Uh, we've done over 100. So it's all blurring together at this yeah. point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the money's really good. So. Yeah. I mean, have you gotten rich <laughs> off of yours so far? Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, I learned the word monetize. <laughs> okay. And I also... Okay. Explain that to yes, us, I also please. learned it doesn't happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. The, my notes are clearing on. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's adding up here. How would, uh, how would you say the weekend went from a track owner... And racers' point of view, like yourself. Well, it was so unbelievably hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, we hadn't heard. <laughs> right, right. I think we were fortunate that we had the people we did. Yeah. And we had a, de- a decent, not a spectacular crowd. Right. Huh, we right. did not get wiped out, mm-hmm. which right. I expected right. to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in those kind of temperatures, and there was a pretty good delay in the uh, yeah. activities and yeah. things like that. So. Yeah, I don't think that that doesn't. Uh, impact a track person near as much as whether or not people come oh really okay. yeah and, and we had all kinds of people that had bought tickets not come oh wow and then okay. people not buy tickets on race day you think yeah. that's weather or just do you just like going it? outside in no, 100 degree heat well I didn't, I didn't want to go outside the last <laughs> two days but I somehow had to but that's also my job yeah so. it's totally weather and, and, yeah. and we had um, I think I know of seven people that had sunstrokes. That never happens. We go a year without that happening. Really? Yeah. And we were ready for it. We had ambulances spread around yeah. the place and yeah. hundreds of hundreds of cases of water spread around. And, yeah. But it was hard. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hard. So should, should we, we s- dive right in? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So 
people, when they hear Skip Barber, they think of two things. They think of, obviously, the Skip Barber Racing School. They think of Lime Rock Park. Um, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld being yeah. on a magnet. Um, okay, that's three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so of the two. Math yeah. is not our strength. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, uh, but but um, we're not really a biography kind of show as much as we are just three guys talking. But in the specific case of you, I think for a lot of our fans who don't know as much about the history of the sport, you know, the idea of the name Skip Barber before there was a racing school isn't that known. That's correct. So that's correct. So take us back. <laughs> How far? It was a. It was a. You were born in Philadelphia. Yeah, it was a oh cold God. day in Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah, right, 1937. Yeah, yeah. not doing that. Well, to address the things you mentioned yeah. in reverse order. Okay. Um, I had no idea that Seinfeld had the decal on his refrigerator. No, no idea. So you got the bill for a long. <laughs> for a long time until some customer said, "Yeah." How did you do that? And I, of course, said, what? Right. Um, so that was the first thing you said. What was the next one? How oh, did... Uh, how we, <laughs> know, we know, well, we know, we know the name from, obviously, the Skip Barber right. Racing School. And, right. of course, right. Slime Rock Park yeah, is now right. so closely affiliated with you. Um, but we don't know much about... I, I legitimately don't know anything about, like, how, how you were raised yeah, and how you got started. started and that kind of thing. I'll tell you about my racing and your comment not well known and that's totally right i was one of those guys i don't know who is current david loring was one but he was much closer to me who really was pretty good in the car but couldn't make couldn't make it work i mean my first professional race i beat jim clark in an identical car and he said boy i'll see you i'll see you in england of course, I didn't know where England was. Um, <laughs> and Ronnie Ronnie Peterson thought I was fast. I ran a few times the same kind of car he did. Mark Donahue was, I think, a fan. But I, I couldn't turn it. I had so little skill and inclination to market myself. I was painfully shy, and that killed me. And the great irony of that is is once I started the racing school and thought it was really good it was very easy for me to tell the yeah. world the school is great right. it's a lot harder than saying hey I'm great right I, here's a product yeah. versus yeah. here's a person I actually yeah. didn't yeah. think that's where this is going because I was going to say when I was starting out as a kid doing go-karts like Skip Barber was everywhere you know so the marketing side seemed to be pretty strong it was wonderful yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But as a driver yourself, you had a hard time finding a place to make that work. Well, I can relate to that. It's a lot easier to say, look at this stuff versus look at me and trying to yeah. sort of be that guy. Yeah. I, so. I also started with nothing. I mean, I came out of college. I went through college all on scholarships and three or four jobs. Okay. And came out, what a shock, going yeah. money. Okay. Academic scholarships? Um, or Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Let's, so let's go back. So you're, you're originally from Philadelphia. Yep. Is that where you were raised? Yep. What did your parents do? My mother was a social worker. My father started life as a car dealer his father okay. was a car dealer okay. and he got sick while my father was 17 oh. and so he didn't go to college he had to go to work in right. the dealership, the dealership right. like support the um, family yeah and, and that was unfortunate right. yeah uh, i mean he was a very artistic guy sure. and an athlete and all kinds of things and maybe not a great car dealer sure <laughs> um, the the uh i went to private schools in my life to Quaker schools okay um and I got a terrific scholarship which was the Harvard Club of Philadelphia mm -hmm. scholarship and uh paid for everything except I had to work a lot but you were always around cars your whole life basically yeah okay yeah. so you worked basically you worked at dad's dealership no 
No, that was gone by then. I <laughs> no, I worked at jobs to make money, like okay. mowing, like mowing lawns. Ah, just worked, uh, yeah, just teenage and, kind of jobs, and so. never worked on cars. Okay, and have no mechanical ability or interest. Hmm. Um, but I spent every penny I made. Yeah, here's hopefully Ryan, you've done this better than me. <laughs> when I was starting, and if I made three hundred dollars, which then was of course. Yeah, right. Still no money. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd immediately spend it on my <laughs> lousy race car. Right. I never had a plan. Sure, um, sure. I remember Al Holberg yeah, yeah. ended up really good, yeah. um, whose father was a terrific race car driver. When Al wanted to go, his father was a Porsche dealer. Yeah. And beat up. When he wanted to go racing, his dad said, no, mm-hmm. you know, you go to school, get a good job. Yeah. Turned out to be working for his father. Get a good job, make some money, and mm-hmm. then we'll do it. And I did just the opposite. <laughs> you know, a million part-time jobs. Yeah, right, three right. jobs at the same time. Yeah. Spend every money, every penny yeah. immediately. Not a good plan. Yeah. Not a good plan. Yeah. yeah. What, I, what I figured out is if I'm never home, I can not really spend money on anything because I'm working. So now I'm just never home. So that's kind of the plan. Hopefully, when I get home at the I end of the year, I guess that makes sense. Like you go, no, I completely get it. Yeah, you don't buy toys. Does that mean there's also nobody at home? That's cool. Yeah, no, there's yeah. no full time responsibility at home. There's okay. no kids. I don't get right. a dog. But that's also because he's horrible. Yeah. So <laughs> we had a truck driver at the Skip Barber Racing School. When we started, we just had one fleet of cars. Yeah, ten cars, and we were based in Connecticut, Lime Rock and Thompson, but we were starting to investigate going to Road America, say. So the deal was you'd do a school at Lime Rock, three days later you'd do a school at Road America with the same cars. Yeah, right. Sometimes two days later. Yeah, it's a hike. And this guy, whose name was John, drove the truck, drove the truck, drove the truck, and eventually our accounting department got all over him. Why don't you cash your paychecks? These guys had per diem envelopes, right. you know, to buy fuel, right. yeah. Yeah. $13 a day or right. something yeah, yeah, to yeah, eat yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He lived out yes. of his, per- he yes. saved that's his paychecks for Exactly you. right. That's wow. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> so that's how you're doing. That's pretty much exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. Yeah. So what was the worst teenage job you had? You said you were mowing lawns, like, did you ever have to, like, dress up as a mascot? Uh, <laughs> you know? Flipping a sign Flipping with a, a sign. Flipping a sign, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mowing lawns for people that um, had unreasonable expectations. Huh. <laughs> and mowing that was, lawns was fine. In, right. the, in like the nicer parts of Pennsylvania? In Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 I can see this. Yeah. Well, I was going to, I want to hear about going to Harvard because that's awesome. You know, it sounds like you had to work your way into that. Um, I blew that. <laughs> the No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, what, a, I mean, think about it. It's a pretty terrific place to go. Right. And to have it fully paid for. And I spent all my time going to Wellesley, which was a local girls' college, <laughs> and trying to keep my ancient MG, which I paid $200 for running, yeah. um, and not going to class. And Harvard's very lenient um, about <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, I, think, no. <laughs> I, I think they believe. That if you got in, that means if they accepted you, sure. you must be really pretty good. Yeah. So they can't throw you out. Right. And I, 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 I'm serious. I blew it. I rarely went to class. Um, <laughs> no, that's not funny. I mean, that was stupid. <laughs> right. But it's funny um, now. Yeah. Again, no. you did fine. So we can <laughs> yeah, laugh at exactly. it now. Yeah. Uh, you own a racetrack, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You did fine. You did fine. You're allowed to laugh at it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're on this show. You've pretty much made it. You've made it now. So. Yeah. 
Uh, you and decal. <laughs> Am I getting to pay for dinner? <laughs> okay. Well, that depends on how this goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how we measure this. Yeah, um, exactly. Don't order so, anything over 10 bucks. So uh, you, you had to be okay in school to get a full ride into Harvard. Well, I was good in school. So how I were just, you good in high school and then you blew it in college? I, I just stopped working. Just stopped going. You said, I've made it, I'm good. No, I'm in college. I'm good. Yeah. Right. I right, got the right. scholarship. I'm good. Right. You don't. Not have to try good. Anymore. I'm there. You've made it. That's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. What were you? What were you gonna? What were you majoring in? What was the whole? Well, back then, you know, a hundred years ago, majors were much more general than they are now. So they were things like history and English, and they they, they weren't a craft. Um, and so you worked backwards and looked at all the courses that were offered a gazillion and said, I want these seven. What major category does that fit into? So I ended up majoring in English because I liked to read. I had no interest in writing, um, never wrote anything. Um, but I'm a, quote, English major, and constantly I get asked by some reporter, so what's it like to be an English major? Now, how the heck, why yeah. are you here? <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Right. Yeah. So is anyone in the family into racing? I mean, obviously you were around the car world. No, my father was a real car guy. Yeah, okay. yeah. But nobody was in racing. Was sure. racing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I had a, my mother, who was a very proper lady um and and that's back in a time when conformity was a big deal and where your mother cared about what the neighbors thought sure, right, right. and she was so extreme that way it's very kind of stepford wives kind of yes thing. Yeah, yeah right yeah. and i had one brother who was younger than me and i ended up driving race cars and he ended up being an artist and oh. we thought boy we got her yeah <laughs> right um <laughs> deal with it yeah and 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 she had no time for it until people started giving her articles about my racing sure, right. and my brother won this and won that yeah. and all of a sudden yeah. that these was are, great these are my boys yeah yeah yeah, yeah my boys yeah. <laughs> never been to a racetrack <laughs> right never been to a yeah. uh, art gallery where my mm -hmm. whatever yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah mark and kathy heckman would get yeah, along with your say, parents i was gonna say these are your parents Sean. <laughs> yeah these are exactly my parents it's amazing how much pride they have after they've seen me with mario andretti yeah but you don't have the i mean Excuse me, you're younger than me. You didn't have the yeah. conformity pressure, did you? Mm, I did, yeah. actually. Yeah. Was, I mean, maybe not as... Uh, so you grew up in like the 40s, right? Uh, not uh, quite, 50s. no. Okay. Sorry about Jesus. that, I mean, Sean. the 80s. You're now in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I grew up, okay. I grew up in the 80s. So back in the 80s... <laughs> we need them to like us. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so I would say you probably grew up in an era where it was probably more conformed than... San Francisco in the eighties. It was in uh, the in the fifties and sixties, right. and yeah, I think right. in the fifties that was, that's what you did. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure. I mean, How old do you think I am? It's old, a running gig. Twenty-eight. Stop that. How sales get Barbara? Yeah, this is this <laughs> is how you sell for a living. <laughs> I'm definitely not buying dinner. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but did you have like were your parents like Sean? You need a, like college is what you gotta have a house. No, no, I, would, like, okay. I wouldn't call it as bad as, like, if, if, if we're kind of creating that, like, 1950s era Stepford Wives yeah, right. kind of storyline. No, absolutely. I did not grow okay. up in that environment. Yeah. But I don't think, my parents went to the same job from 9 to 5. Sure, right. Like, most, most people. kids my age yeah. did, you know. So I think the idea of pursuing a career that wasn't like that, and that's all I've ever done. Yeah. Um, I think that's always been kind of a struggle. But, sure, but, sure. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's. 
I don't really ever hear them proud among friends until uh, uh, okay. until all of a sudden they see my shirt. It's valuable. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> no, seriously. What? Um, yeah. What? What did you? What part of all this made them proud? I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> seriously? I'm serious, actually, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was supposed to go to law school, and then I went and worked in television. So when my name was on, like, credits of History Channel shows, okay, that okay, was cool. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, that yeah, was cool. Right, right. I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop doing that now. <laughs> and, and now I'm going to go uh, play race cars. And uh, and I'm still waiting on on, right. on, on, on some, some – nah, it's fine. Anyway, how back was, to you. If your mom if your mom was, like, not really into it, how was dad about all of that stuff, especially, like, the racing? He went – I think at my mom's direction to the first race driver school, as she said, driver school I did, and went home and reported back, this is okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. So he was on board. Okay. Yeah, so he yeah. was okay with it. I think he was probably on board before he went. Sure, sure. Sure. Yeah. sure. But he wasn't necessarily a racing guy, per se. No, yeah. yeah. He never, like, he didn't grow up and it was taking me to the Meadowlands no, or anything. No. When dad gives it the seal of approval, mom's now on board a little bit more, or? No. Okay. Tolerant. Yeah, right. That's different than on board. Sure, sure. Yep, yep. Accepting. So you're working odd jobs, paying for you a know, lot of them for for, for whatever little <laughs> racing efforts. You, so what was at that point? What was what were the racing efforts uh, when you're working these jobs? Well, I started when I was 21. You couldn't start before that. Oh, That's what right. Sam Posey yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and in a little production car. Yep. Mm-hmm. I borrowed half the money to buy that from Harvard. Okay. For my senior year tuition and wait. Went, Hold on. <laughs> Do it. Statue of limitations is no, 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 no. We're no, going somewhere like, else. You're 100 percent on board. Every thing. real racer we've ever met, they've basically lied or cheated or scammed their way into getting to race. Yeah. Which you're right on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of course. <laughs> How'd you fund the other half of your racing? Uh, my mother thought that since it was quite apparent I wasn't studying, <laughs> that that's because I was working on my car. Now that is so wrong I mean <laughs> because no way would you ever actually you not that I would anything but like. I didn't because right. <laughs> um, you actually were smart and I and she thought well the whole problem is these old rotten cars you have to work on so I'll help you buy a new car oh god so, great thought process and, yeah. and, and I don't quite know what, I mean she must have scraped to get that money but she bought the other along with Harvard the other half of my new Austin Hilly Bug Eye Sprite. Right. Okay. Which was my first race car. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then did you go to your own school to get ri- get to sign <laughs> Did you off? just right. teach yourself Slight how to race? Yeah. time delay. <laughs> no, I was pretty much unbeatable and um <laughs> And I was. And, and well, so, but uh, legitimately, I don't know. So before there was, like, now you, you you do the Skip Barber School, and then you sort of, you, you get the sign-offs that now you can do go do some SCCA or NASA or whatever. Uh, what what was it in those days, if there was no such thing as a real established driving school to go out and club race? What do you mean, what was in it? In terms of being... How uh, did you get licensed? Yeah, to how did you get licensed or qualified that you could run it? Uh, that was just a formality. I mean, you taught yourself. Sure. Right. You didn't believe anybody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm correct. serious. If That's somebody correct. said, 
you know, that corner's flat out in fourth. That means put the brakes on and put it in third. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, you, you learned on your own. But, from but a, everybody did. From yeah. a pure regulation standpoint, like you could just show up to a track. No, you had to. I think you had to go to a couple of SCCA driver schools. So there, okay, so one, there, anyhow. Right. So there was SCCA driver schools before there was a Skip Barber. Way before. Right. I mean, okay. SCCA driver schools started when the SCCA started. Okay. The first event at Lime, Lime Rock was built, opened in 1957. And reading the history books, I wasn't there. Um, the first event was a SCCA driver's school, and they had something like 150 oh. cars. Wow. I mean, everybody owned a sports car in those days. I mean, it was really fashionable. Um, and so you went to the driver's school with no roll bar, your windshield, whatever. Um, I don't know how many people got through those first steps, but that's how it went. But today you go to a driving school, you're basically driving somebody else's car. Those days, the SECA deals were you showed up with your own thing. Your own car. And I think you can still do that, right? You can still do an SECA driver school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah but yeah. I don't think it's... It, Without taking anything away from those guys, I used to work at, I worked at the Panos Racing School for eight years, and okay. then I worked at Skip Barber for two years. Brian Sellers was working there, myself, a bunch of guys I raced against yesterday, including Owen Trinkler, who won the race in GS. Um, you were getting real professional instructors that were going to be racing and currently still do. And at some of these SCCA schools, you get yeah, other SCCA that's, that's guys. That's the big dis- right, difference, not right. who owns the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> back then, that wasn't an option, though. You didn't have these racing schools where actual racers were working you know, on a, on a regular basis. So you had to take an SCCA school. Yeah, yeah. And, and the instructors, I mean, I remember mine. I went to one SCCA school. Mm-hmm. They were good for them. They were volunteering right. to help people. Yeah. If you got lucky and, you know, you got Dan Gurney, of course, that didn't happen. And if, <laughs> and if you weren't, yeah. you got some guy who was pretending to be important and knew nothing. Sure. Yeah. You had to learn on your own. Yeah. When you were taking those schools, I mean, and, and this is kind of going to come back later, but was there any anything at all in your head like, I could do this better or there's something to this that could be learned? No. From? No. Okay. No. Just, you're just no. doing your thing. But my experience was weird no i'm gonna boast i'm gonna boast i went to an scca driver's school that was one day and the next day there was a regional race weekend with a race each day and i won both races and so that's with one day of driving around a racetrack at a driver's school it's probably more a comment on the opposition than on me who knows? Well, it's not it's not boasting if it actually happened. Yeah. You know, you're like, you should have seen it. I crushed them. We couldn't find that anywhere. <laughs> yeah. no, it actually happened. It's oh, my fine. God. That's right. You guys look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we go to the second page of Google. <laughs> so you, you're doing pretty well. Well, I read that you won uh, three national championships. Actually, that's when it mattered. Okay. That now is nothing. Okay. Right. Um, you just upset a lot of people. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it's nothing now, but you got to be good to do it. Right? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, anybody can. Anybody <laughs> can go good to radio. The, yeah. Well. <laughs> no, it was it was in a way kind of a, a pathetic career. I almost always won. I either won the race or set the lap record or was on the pole, and always almost always in a lousy car because I people put me usually car dealers in cars they wanted to sell 
And, you know, I was the guy you put him in the car and you'll sell the car. Um, but that didn't lead to any nice linear path. I would win a bunch of races and then the next year not drive anything. Um, that was pretty much my career. If you were better at selling yourself, like we were talking about earlier, do you think you could have found a little bit more success because the talent was there? Yeah. 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 I mean, so basically, seriously. The, the proverbial phone is ringing for you to go drive this car and that car, but you're not going out of your way to put yourself in front of Roger Penske. Or, I didn't know how to do that. Yeah, yeah right. I just right. didn't know how. I remember the first time I ever raced at Lime Rock at an SCCA national mm-hmm. race. I lapped the field, and I was asked afterwards, do you want to meet the track manager? <laughs> why? I said, why would I do that? You and I are a lot alike. The guy later, the guy <laughs> later worked for me, yeah. right. and I said, why would I do that? Yeah. And that was my stupid, right. honest attitude. Right. <laughs> track manager? He was a good friend of Peter Revson. He was a good yeah, friend. Somebody of, to know. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, you never know how it's going to come back. Yeah. Remember our yeah. earlier conversation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of parallels. But go on. Anyhow. Well, your future is very bright. <laughs> <laughs> and you won how many SECA nationals? Uh, well, I tried three times. Um, races or championships? I, I guess I don't know. The, I, I, I always okay. go in Lino Nationals. I didn't know there was such a thing as a championship. Well, there's, they had national championships, mm-hmm. right. which were a race at the end of the year for the people in the various parts of the country that right. had done well to all come together. Yeah, 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 right, right, yeah. right. So I went to the runoffs three times. I won every time. Yeah. But I basically uh, always won. I mean, that's kind of a... Yeah, that's the truth. I I either won or was the fastest guy. And like I said earlier, always somebody else's used car car that they couldn't sell. Yeah, so you'd go show it off. A new single-seater car they couldn't sell. And yeah. 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 And you were back-to-back national champion in Formula Ford, 69, 70. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's only been done recently, right? I don't know if it's been done. I think somebody recently just won that back-to-back. But back then, excuse me insult to the current guy <laughs> screw him the um, really good guys were in Formula Fords right I mean there was a race after one of those years at Sebring just an open invitational uh-huh. there were six guys in there that drove Formula One cars right you know later on yeah um, and good ones yeah um, and that just doesn't happen anymore well, we, I mean in the same race yes yeah we, we've spoken with uh, Mike Hall and Paul Fanner who are both huge advocates of you know, form of the Ford and what it was back then. And so if you were able to run well in that at the time, you were going to be capable. No, I was, I was the best guy in that. Yeah. I really was. Yeah. So what? <laughs> <laughs> so it Excuse sounds like me. your weakness this whole time is that you're not putting yourself in front of people the way you should be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, who are some of the names you race with in Formula Fords? Anyone we would know? No. Um, the European champion... At the beginning of Formula Ford was a guy named Jerry Birrell, who died in a factory Ford Capri, German Ford Capri. No, he was good. And uh, he was the best guy over there, and I was the best guy here, and we were in the same same race at Sebring. He got a hole in his radiator. My distributor moved, so here we are in two pathetic cars. Right. And I had the absolute best race of my life. And so said, did he. I mean, such a wonderful guy to race with. And that was not always 
the case in that category. Mm-hmm. There were so many ambitious cutthroat not, not kids. Quotes, yeah. you know, who didn't yep. know better. Didn't right. they? They weren't cutthroat. They were stupid. Yeah, right. Um, they're brave because they're dumb. Yeah. yeah. But whatever. <laughs> a lot of guys you wouldn't know. Rainy Weasel, who was a Lotus Formula One driver, was in that race. Okay. Walk, oh, that's all too far. Okay. Ago. So uh, you become a Formula One driver. So how does it go from that <laughs> yeah. can't put yourself in front of people to F1? I back up a step. Okay. I had a good year in a McLaren Can-Am car, one-year-old car, in the American version of the Can-Am that came before the Can-Am on the calendar. So we're th- there was this thing called the United States Road Racing Championship, right, that led into the Can-Am in the fall where all the Europeans came. But the USRC was good. I think Mark Donahue won it in 1967 that's the year i'm talking about i don't know who was second i think i was third i was second or third but i couldn't do all the races because we couldn't afford to go west um and the next year i had nothing to do and so somebody suggested there's this guy making formula fords in new england where i lived Ray Caldwell, autodynamics and (laughs) talk to sam posey about him yeah yeah yeah. well sam was important to that company um and and sam is a good friend of mine by the way um and so i drove their car uh thinking it might help and i had a wonderful formula ford deal i to do that i got the car for nothing i got a spare car to sell at the end of the year uh another car to sell motors Blah, 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 blah. Ford Motor Company was paying money then for that. Valvoline was paying money. I got free time. I had a Firestone and a Goodyear deal. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, <laughs> and and um, so anyhow, I, 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 I pretty much won everything in that and was always on the pole and blah, blah, blah. And a guy who was importing an Italian single-seater called a Techno, a really interesting, weird, small, very successful in Europe, Formula 3 and Formula 2 car. Sever, Ragazzoni, Ronnie Peterson, all drove that very short wheelbase car. And he was completely unsuccessful selling cars in America. And he had an inventory of them. So... I got to drive one of them in what was then called Formula B, became Formula Atlantic, and the first race I did was at Mossport, um, and I was the only guy, I'm really bragging now, but this is true, <laughs> I was the only guy that had a car without wings and still had treaded tires, um, and That's I won. a pretty big difference. It is, yeah. and I won, and I beat a guy from the West Coast who this is this is a good story. A guy named Mike Ireley. He was winning all the races. He had the right car, owned by a guy named Fred Obert. He had a new motor every race, and then they'd sell the motor. They had to deal with an English. So I passed Ireley. Do you know Most Bought? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes okay. Well. Yeah, so yeah. I passed him four laps in a row in turn one, twice on the inside. That's a yeah, fast as interesting hell. corner. Yeah. <laughs> twice on the outside, and each time he passed me up the straight. And this is the good part of the story. The fifth time, when he was about to pass me up the street, he pulled up beside me. This guy was the champion in that series. Pulled up beside me and just waved and let me go. What? Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. What a decent guy. Because he knew you were just going to keep passing him. And well, I don't like, know. He probably thought I was going to kill him. But, right. but <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah. 
I was he was acknowledging that that day you had in him that covered. place, he had the yeah. Motor. Yeah, yeah. And so just because he had a big motor, he shouldn't win. I mean, how? I was totally blown away. Yeah, that's why he didn't make it. I don't think that was. <laughs> I don't think that was an of time thing. I don't think that's because in 1970 right. drivers were gentlemen and they're not. Yeah, he yeah. was just a he was just that decent guy. guy. He understood. Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool huh. story actually. Yeah. Interesting. Whatever. <laughs> don't so, whatever that. That, that was that cool stuff. Yeah. So your question was, since I'm on this bragging Formula guy, One, I never do this. Yeah. So the guy that owned the Techno was the Italian yeah. car, who was the importer, uh, decided. You know, that he should pursue bigger and better things. And he almost managed to buy Brabham when Bernie Ecclestone bought it. Um, and he did a deal with Max Mosley. You guys know who he is? I heard the name. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Max was then running March. Yeah. Um, and we, he did, Gene did a deal. March wanted to come to the U.S. Chev- a lot of the English companies were, for obvious reasons, sell lots of cars. So we were, we, anyhow. We ended up running a car in the U.S. and we had to start in Europe, and I, so I did a few Formula One races. Yeah. This is awfully boring. Do we? You know? No, it's not. It's not boring. <laughs> I don't know anything about Skip Barber before it was a name on a school. So I maybe I you, can do. You would pass people on the outside of Mossport when if you dipped the wheel, you died. Right. right. It's just like <laughs> just don't even. There's like, no funeral. Oh, he's going wide, like, and he's dead. Cover him. Like, like, yeah. yeah. It's just the most wonderful racetrack I ever. It's Next to Lime Rock, fabulous. Of well, obviously. Thank you for and the Canada. commercial, but <laughs> yeah, he's in marketing. No, it's a great, great racetrack. Yeah. Um, okay, so real fast, Formula One cars and five thousand cars, American cars with three hundred five V eights, were allowed to race against each other. And the standard assumption was Formula One cars were faster. Wrong. <laughs> they were faster because they were driven by better guys. Sure, super The only two times that there was a equal race Peter Gethin and Brands Hatch in a Chevron with a V8 beat the Formula One cars wow. and then over here at on either of you guys know what Ontario was I do yeah. I live okay. here yeah. there so Mark Donahue in a 5000 car beat all the Formula One guys and one of the guys he beat with was Mario Andretti in the March Formula One car that Andy Granatelli owned and they ran the whole European season so this, this deal that Gene Mason made with Max Mosley was we would get that used 701 and we'd run in the U.S. for one year in the 5000 series. And then March would come over here with a factory team in a new car. So Riverside was the first race. We picked the car up from the Granatelli's like 10 days before the first race at Riverside. I never had sat in the car until that weekend. I didn't, Sam Posey was there since you recently talked to him. I didn't qualify particularly well, kind of figuring things out. But once the race started, things were going fine. And I was passing the guy. Do you know Riverside? I'm Did you familiar ever, with uh, it. I never got to go there, obviously. Yeah, okay. but yeah, yeah. Another great racetrack. Sure. Maybe not Mossport, but really close. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm now in second place and passing the leader piece of cake yeah um in the turn six famous corner there and as i'm passing him the guy who was last big field guy who was last is passing the guy suddenly in front of him mm-hmm. pops out to pass him and the two of them run into the guy in front of me and me okay lou cell was his name 
car totally trashed. Yeah. Um, and now it's April. We have no race car to run in the U.S. So Max Mosley says, no problem. We will build you a new car in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. So I sit in a hotel in Bicester in England where the March factory is. Yeah. It seems for weeks waiting for this car to be done. They finish it. I think three days before Monaco. Yeah. Now, you couldn't get into Monaco then. Sure. And they started, I think, 18 cars and let... No, they took 18 and let 16 start. Okay. Or it was 20 and 18. I mean, it went up in steps. Right, right, right. So, for some reason, they took me, us. Um, And we go off to Monaco. I have not sat in this car. It has not turned a wheel. Right. And Monaco then had two days of practice qualifying that meant an hour each of two days and that was it then i think there was a day off and then the race so on a track you've probably never been to i didn't even know where it was yeah (laughs) um so i get there jump in the car and to go out for the first session and they had hired a very famous guy who you probably have heard of alf francis Okay, you haven't heard of him. <laughs> he was he was famous for being Sterling Moss's mechanic oh, okay, for okay. years. Cool. Wherever okay. Moss went, yeah, he went, oh, went. Okay. and he must have been wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mar- March hired no seriously. Yeah, and March hired him to do the gearbox on my car, and maybe he hadn't. Who knows? So, there I am. I pulled into first. The car won't move. Put it in second. The car won't. You know, it didn't take long to go up through all the gears, and the car wouldn't move. And it took the entire session. It never moved that session. The next day, it rained harder than I have ever seen it rain. And, of course, there's no hope of qualifying. I'm in good company because Mario Andretti had a problem the first day. And now he's in the same situation. He fails to qualify. I don't know if he even tried. (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) It was raining so hard. Nobody went out. Right. I said, it's a long way from home. Yeah. I've never been laps. here. Yeah. I'm going to go out and see where the ro- I've heard about this tunnel. I'm going to uh, go out and see where the road goes. So I went out. I mean, it was, I mean, the water must have been an inch, inch deep all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. So there I am, and I do two, at least one whole lap, you know, an out lap, one whole lap, and I smarten up. And <laughs> This is not a good Side thing to, to do. Yeah. About 30 years later, or maybe it was even last year, I find out that they timed every lap. <laughs> I hold the record, I think, for sure, for the slowest lap <laughs> ever oh done at Monaco. <laughs> nice. And somebody told me that. So the funny thing to me that came out of that, the next race was at Hockenheim. Yeah. And back then, there were two races on the Formula One calendar that didn't count for points. Okay. Two races in Germany and two races in England. Mm-hmm. And they alternated, right? right. Hockenheim, Norbergring, mm-hmm. Brands Hatch, Silverstone. Right. But all the factories ran. Yeah. Right. So Hushki von Hunstein, never heard of him? Nope. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm beginning to feel like I'm in an old age home. Settle, um, settle. So he was Mr. Porsche. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was his secretary who married Dan Gurney. He ran. He was the guy at Porsche in terms of racing. But he was a power in Formula One. So he was the guy, German, right, who organized the Hockenheim event. And back then, all basically all the money in for, for teams in Formula One was starting money. That was much bigger than the 
prize money. So Gene Mason, who was a Philadelphia lawyer and a very smart guy, said, okay, to him. So we want the normal starting money. And he said, oh, my God, your guy's done the slowest lap in the history of Monaco. <laughs> Why would we give him anything? And Gene said, okay, no problem. We'll go for nothing, but if we finish in the top six, you give us double. And he said, great. And I did. You finished sixth. And it was yeah. just great. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was just great. And I had a good German experience. You probably don't know Hockenheim. Then it had two very Massive long straights yeah. with chicanes. Yeah. Yeah. Two laps from the end, Rolf Stommelman, passed German, yes. we know passes him. me by going straight down the straightaway, totally bypassed. I'm over just here on the chicane. Yeah. Zing. Right. He's gone. Right. And the Germans disqualified him. It was great. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. I was they were like, no, that was fine. I got, yeah. I got faith. It was um, a big surprise. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you finished sixth in a Formula One race once. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't even want to talk about it. Yeah. And then, the ne- <laughs> well. So it's a, and this was a non-points race, so it doesn't really go on the record. It right. counts. Right. Way. It but, counts. No, I'm saying, but therefore you never... <laughs> points-wise in your Nothing. career no, championship. No. But in terms of the satisfaction, by Absolutely. now I was a little tired of Max Mosley. Um, <laughs> yep. And March ran either four or five cars. Diadamich, um, ever heard of him? Oh, this God, this is embarrassing. No, it's not. No. For you, not <laughs> me. No, um, no, well, there it is. So he was an alpha factory guy, an okay. alpha. Okay. We're providing the motor for his March Formula One car and all the money. And there were some other really good guys in right. marches. Because in those days, you could have a customer chassis. It wasn't like every team had to build their own car like they do today. Yeah, well, these, so. the cars I'm talking about were all run by March. Oh, these they were? These were all factory right. cars. Okay. You're absolutely right. Right. And maybe they were there that day. Yeah. Also, but March, I think Lauda, I don't know who, they, they, they had at least four good guys and then me, the American, and Americans suck. And yep. everybody knew that over there, of course. particularly Max Mosley. So as I passed and beat all those March factory guys, except one, I don't remember who beat me, probably Ronnie Peterson, but, or maybe, maybe Lauda, but that was extremely satisfying. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah Jackie X won that race at Hockenheim. Peterson was second. John Surtees, Howden Ganley, Nanny Galley, Skip Barber. Yeah, um, okay. okay. So, yeah, so really good guys. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's move on. So, all right. So, clearly, <laughs> you could cut it in F1. And so, so uh, genuinely not knowing the story, how does, it, how does it not continue? Okay. So, in 1973, that's, yeah, a year later. Oh, no. End of 72. Yep. U.S. Grand Prix, five marches, same deal. Mm-hmm. I outqualified Peterson, Lauda, um, Pescarola, everyone except a guy you won't know, Carlos Pache. Actually, yeah. Really good They've Brazilian. the track after him. Yeah. Got killed in an yeah. yeah, airplane yeah. accident. Reads like pace, if you don't know, for the kids at home. Yeah, right. Um, so that was kind of cool. Brakes failed on the second lap or so, <laughs> and so I stumbled around and very disappointing and the next year March decided they would build a Chevy powered this is actually a good story yeah. a Chevy powered 5000 car ah. the engineer was Harvey Poffelsweight and I was to drive it March owned the car I'm a huge Poffelsweight fan yeah well wait to hear this okay um, <laughs> nice guy by the way um the I thought don't ruin him god damn it <laughs> I'm gonna god ruin damn it, him. Skip yes, I'm, yes. I'm gonna ruin him and yes. he's just talking about how much I like this guy well go on. nice guy who did wonderful things but he made one mistake sure um 
So they took the real, the stub-nosed Formula 2 that became the Formula 1 car, stuck a Chevy in the back of it, um, and I was the guy. And they were hugely committed. I had to get rid of my American crew who had done great things for me. And, I'm, and so here I was in America with four English, all great histories, um, and this funny-looking car. And we went to Riverside. I mean, we were ready. We went to Riverside to test it early. And it's too bad you don't know Riverside. Kink in the back straight. This thing was so weird aerodynamically. I'm pounding up this back straight at Riverside. I turn left, and the front wheels were off the ground. I could do anything with the steering yeah, wheel. Yeah. The only way I could turn left was to get out of the throttle and have the nose come down. Right. The wheels oh, come wow. down. Yeah. yeah. Sketchy. Yeah. Exciting. <laughs> um, and the car... and. Auto Week then, Auto Week mm -hmm. was a important publication, and they used to do predictions. Okay. And I was the guy they predicted would win that series, and there were a lot of really good people in it, and it was hopeless. I couldn't run with anybody, and they took the car back. Um, I mean, March owned the car, and discovered that when Harvey did the rear suspension this had a bigger gearbox than the formula two than the formula one car that they had copied which and the suspension mounting points were on the transmission they used the same a arms and everything that were on the oh my god i mean this thing would have I mean, it's amazing it didn't kill me i mean going slow it was scary um and we never made it go fast <laughs> that put me out of racing, basically. I mean, that absolutely killed me. There the was no May March was saying we screwed up. You know, it's this incompetent American and American team. I mean, all the guys that worked on the car took a big hit. Yeah. And that was that. Yeah. So you end up driving some Porsches, and then you're like, oh, I'll just start, like, the biggest racing school ever. The end. Well, it was great meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You, you, you would appreciate, probably both you would appreciate this. I'm going to make a serious point. Um, <laughs> I like that he says that and we immediately start laughing. Yeah, it's like, all right. Uh -huh. Dick joke. The, uh, so when I started the school, I thought I was still racing. I was the only guy that didn't know that. I mean, I thought I was making my living that sure. way. Um, and I thought a school would be kind of a neat thing to do during the week. I mean, you know, and I used to say, well, yeah, and I'll, get, I'll work on my suntan on the weekends and blah, 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 blah. I didn't know when I started that you could teach people how to drive a race car. That was not commonly known. That's it. I mean, because at that time, so like we'd already established, there was no such thing as a school. You did the SECA course to get no, your... Bondurant was in business. Okay. But he was on the other side of the country. Right. You need us to bleep that? No. <laughs> so he was... Ho, oh, oh. He was on the other side of the country, and I didn't know anything about it. And... He was dealing with celeb. It was a different thing. Sure, sure. Um, but in the bravado of kind of that era, um, you know, where Tom Selleck is an icon. Uh, do, How do, dare you? <laughs> uh, was there sort of almost a negative look at driving schools? Like if you no. can't, okay, like if you need Every a racing school, you're already not Absolutely good enough, not. Right? Okay. Right. No, no. And everybody was starting a racing school. I mean, they were popping up. Like podcasts? Just. Skip Barber? Like yeah. Like podcasts? Absolutely. Were they the podcasts of the 70s? 
It's not a bad analogy. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Go on. But we'll get to the tough part, which is some were good and some weren't so good. Okay. Um, like podcasts. Like podcast, get barbers. <laughs> that was my point. Okay. Um, the, uh, so I started this, have, not on a, not whimsically, but having no plan. Okay. And thinking this would be neat during the week. I mean, literally, uh, give me something to do. Mm-hmm. But no, driving was no, still on the radar, though. No, excuse me. Like, but driving was still on the radar. That was this the, was still you were still going to radar. Be that major. was the plan. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. right. Um, and I had a great ride in a five thousand car for that year, the year I got involved in the school. Mm-hmm. And at the last minute, the guy called me up and said, "I decided not." Famous entrant. I decided not to go racing this year. Yeah. Fuck you. Um, and so <laughs> right. here I am, and I joined forces with a guy that had started a teeny little school the year before. So he had a wife who kept the books and worked mm-hmm. out of her kitchen. Um, we borrowed literally two Formula Fords um, and started doing this. And yeah. the first year I learned that you really could teach somebody to drive a race car. Yeah. And that I liked the process of being in business, which was just like driving a race car. It was solving problems. Yeah. Slower speed. Right. But so- problem solving. And I liked that. And so I decided to do that yeah again yeah. with n- no plan and no aspirations but and the reason i'm telling you the story i'm looking at this guy <laughs> um, thank you my probably naive but my whole approach was that of a racer you know where you just gotta i mean you're trying to win and in this situation that becomes i'm trying to do it better as best as it can be done i'm not doing this looking at the profit or lack of it. I'm just doing the absolute best job. And that was the standard through the whole history of the thing. And that's why it was so good. And and everybody that came to work there had the same standard because everybody was a racer. Um, and that's, with hindsight, what a great way to launch a business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, so, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to be the best to hell with everything right, else. Yeah. And, and to this point, like you'd never run your own business prior to this. Like, no. You know, your odd jobs and whatnot weren't necessarily starting a No good job training there. Yeah, no, yeah. No, okay. No. Um, and so when you guys started, so it sounded like you, you, you kind of partnered with somebody who'd already had something pre-existing on a very, very small scale. Uh, very little knowledge and I got a, knowledge and I got a home improvement loan new yeah. bathroom okay to start the school okay um, was there a, like you say you, you know you just had the best of everything to make it work but was that the initial idea like I'm only going to do this if I can get absolute top line coaches and, no, and, never, no 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 okay. no 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 I didn't explain this well that's not necessarily it's an attitude not a concept I mean, the guy that tries hard to go, the guy that, I mean, you know, you've met, I bet, a thousand guys. They're going to race and nothing else matters. Well, it's the same thing if you're an actor or a dancer or whatever. Yep. You're going to do this. You're going to make So this it's work. that attitude. It's right. not, gee, I think we should have high standards. Right. Never. Yeah. You just found Not guys, a conscience thought like that. So you that. just found guys that were super hungry. Well, I was. Fair. And... That, so I got other guys like that. I didn't say, are you hungry? Right, 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 right. You know, the third instructor I hired, you would know, maybe Terry Yearwood. <laughs> yep. He's been on the show. Terry could not drive a race car. 
at that point. Yes. I mean, he, he wasn't any good. Yeah. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Excuse me. He wasn't <laughs> really good. He's good at straight As line. good as he was late. Yes, he yeah. was excellent in a straight line. He yeah. has told me that many times. Yes. <laughs> um, but Terry was working at Road Atlanta, and we were doing a pro. We did. We were the first people to do car manufacturer programs, and BMW was the first player in that. And we did all their programs, and we were do, we wanted to go. BMW wanted to go to Road Atlanta. We were making all the arrangements. Nate, the guy that owned it, then another drug dealer said, "Hang on, which one? I, Whittington, Lanier, all school graduates, by the way. You're damn right they um, are. Yeah, the probably the most the, famous ones. The uh, you you can't come here unless you hire." For the two weeks you're here, the week our guy Terry Irwood, and I said, "Who's he?" But sure, um, and we hired Terry, and I don't know that he'd ever driven any road course except Road Atlanta, and he struggled to keep up because we were all really racing, um, and Terry was really good. And basically, after that, I never hired another instructor. They all hired the guys they raced against yeah. and with yeah. and trusted. And they removed the guys that wouldn't pick up pylons. Or yeah, that right. Was, that yeah. Was the it just sort of had its own sort of mafia-like yeah, exactly. system right. that yeah. built itself. Really and good and boy, what a great group. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was the same way through the whole company. Yeah. yeah. I had a great marketing guy. You might know, named Jim Bowie. He, he worked. He's oh, was he David's brother? I couldn't resist. That's I'm terrible. sorry. He's That's been so John bad. Doonan's guy for years. And before, oh, okay. I was be, going to say, be, I actually know that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, can't yeah, say yeah. that I do. And but, he was yeah. a player at after Cart was Cart when it became. Yeah. And good friend of Paul Fanners. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Heard can, of him. Canadian. Um, Heard of that company. Yeah. <laughs> he built a great marketing department. And yeah. Now, same deal. Yeah. Guys hiring people yeah. they know. Yeah, you guys yeah. are everywhere. Yeah. That's the way to, well. That's a good thing to have in a business. Yeah. yeah. So you're no HR department. <laughs> right? <laughs> like at dinner with racers? Yeah. Mm. We're a lawsuit away from one. Yeah, we're, we're it's, it's going to be any day now. Yeah. So with <laughs> what's that about? Yeah. Is that a joke that I missed? Uh, oh, oh, no, no, oh, no. We have no police. We can do whatever we want. It's going to oh, Okay. Bad. Yeah, like <laughs> what, the, the end of dinner with racers isn't going to be like, "Oh, we decided to stop" or like it's going to be like some dumb thing that blows up on a blog. Yeah, and and like, where we become a hashtag that we didn't know we were and <laughs> and uh and it's too late to apologize and Right. And then it's just selling drugs. Yeah. Back to the good stuff. Yeah. So when you're <laughs> That's what's being in the race what being in the racing school business of course is all about. Selling, selling drugs. drugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Do you know how many times I've been told that? You're just a drug dealer. Yes. By guys that have gotten yeah. involved in racing yeah. because yeah. of I, yeah. I usually yeah. say that it's like drugs but more expensive. I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. Oh, I was gonna say, well, go on. Well, so like, <laughs> so you mentioned HR, but actually, that's one of the things I've always been curious about. So, like, in the early, let's call it the first ten years of it, you got good old Terry Earwood. You've got this network of coaches who are all with you, but it's all. I mean, I'm not gonna hide this. I mean, it's racing driver coaches are children, right? Um, we used to call the school home for <laughs> yeah, wandering boys. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah, it's, the, uh, it's so, the what's the Peter Pan kids called? Peter Pan syndrome, like no, no, the the kids, the the, it's literally what they would call them, something like that. Yeah, oh, There's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but to that point, like, 
at what point do you do at, was there ever any moment in those first 10 years where you realized maybe you're a kindergarten teacher <laughs> uh, because boys around cars are going to do dumb things 10 years yeah, well, like or the weeks. first six weeks i don't know <laughs> Um, but like, you know, this is your bottom line. And so if people are wrecking rental cars or deciding that uh, after hours, they're going to perfect their own racing at the cost of your formula Fords, this is your bottom line. Like how, I have how, no how idea did, what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm serious. Uh, <laughs> this is a what? start again. Okay. I don't know what you're how, talking. I'm just saying, how, how did you evolve as a businessman over the first few years? Because I'd assume you start this with the best intentions. I'm going to, I'm going to bring in good guys. I'm going to, you know, hire these people and then they bring in their good guys. But eventually I didn't you, have that intention. Right. That happened. It happened naturally. But did you eventually you have to start developing laws within the, the group saying, like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do no, that? It, really? No, no, no. If you have the right people, you don't do that. I mean, by the time when I sold the business, and the only reason I, and by then, this is a long time ago, we were a $32 million service business and had yeah. 400 employees. It's a, um, I sold it to some proper business types yeah. who were going to help me do the things I wanted to do with it. Growth, I had yeah. no desire to leave. And the first battle we had was about our um, health policy. Health. Okay. What happened when you got sick? Yeah, yeah. And, and our policy was, if you were sick, you stayed home. If you weren't, you came to work. Origi that was what the original policy was. That was the yeah. policy yeah. until these guys came along. Yeah. And then it had, well, each department head has to... See, so they started truly... Oh, Jesus. And, and, you know, we had a couple people that had real problems and might be out for five months. And we carried them. And we had all kinds of people that never took a sick day. Right. I, I'm trying to give an example of a point I have now lost track of. That... I mean, you keep kind of referring to a plan. Um, no, it's a it's a process. It's an attitude. Right. And that process. The plans for the Harvard Business School guys who come along and screw up your business. I understand. Understand that. But but that's, I guess that's kind of my point is that um, you know you, you sort of take this attitude that things do just sort of work themselves out if you have the right people around you. With the right. With the right attitude. Concepts. And, right. Yeah, I mean, they've got to have both. They've got to have yeah. the right attitude and be the right people. But they've got to have a mission. An absolute mission. Right. So in right? terms of... I mean, yeah, so, so we're, really we're going to do the best job. We're going to produce the best guys. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you were able to build it into a $34 million revenue kind of business by simply having everybody have this attitude. So things like HR problems or having to worry about rental car bills because Terry threw something off of a canyon once or something like that. I'm just making that up. Uh, <laughs> well, if Terry had driven his car into a canyon, he would have paid for it. Ah, and that, so that's okay, what I'm saying. So you, you never really did have these headaches because there was just an ethos around the group. Yeah, probably yeah. starting. We, from we never had an HR department. No. Yeah. No. And you're able to run a yeah, company was, that large I was gonna that say, effectively. I almost, I'm not no. saying this critically. Like I no, genuinely no. am blown away by this. The people that worked there ran it. Yeah. I mean, I had, we had kind of six or seven different groups you know there yeah. was corporate sales there was all the work we did for car manufacturers yeah. there was the driving school there was the racing school right. there was the race series the teeny one of all that was lime rock that was number seven right. when we'd have when we'd have a big manager's meeting the poor sure. manager of lime rock would sit at the end of the table <laughs> and and right. um so 
those guys ran it. I was kind of a teacher. But, right. But so what, like, in the heyday, let's call it the yeah. 80s, 90s, what was your specific day-to-day? Um, I, I, I think I was a teacher. I think I... Um, I mean, I talked to people there all the time, um, and I just tried to help them do what they were doing. I didn't tell them what to do, um, and I set the, this is what we're going to do, and, and, you know, and I was fortunate. I had really good guys. Fair enough. I mean, we didn't have cheerleader meetings. Or right. right. There was no your all salesman speech and all right. that nonsense. Get out there and sell. So what phase in all of this does the driving kind of work its way out? Was there ever a conscious I'm done? Uh, well, I, nobody's asking me to drive the race car. Yeah. I start the racing school one year later. I mean, I've kind of now I'm really involved in, <laughs> yeah, in this. really taking it Yeah, down. totally 24-hour day thing. And people began to ask, begin to ask me if I want to drive the race. Frank Williams called me. What? And, and <laughs> okay. Now, he had just a teeny little team then. <laughs> yeah, right. And he was about to hire Jochen Moss. Yeah. And he said, you know, I want a guy that can go fast. He was a friend of Gene Mason. And oh, okay. And we had shared parts. Um, and I had gotten to know him. He said, I want somebody. Um, and this was early for Frank. I want somebody that can go fast enough be respectable and not hurt the car and he kept giving me the chance to say i'd like to do that and he kept doing it and doing it. and i was that was too late was it just a, you just didn't want to or you're just looking at the pile of work you had in front of you and you're like yeah this i see more potential in this i don't know yeah i don't know I, I you know i no longer i knew that i no longer would have killed my grandmother to, to get in that it. car yeah or my mother um, and and um, and I just wasn't thinking that way. It seems like, especially now that you weird know, on on my side of the business now, where I where I've you know worked on the PR marketing front for a lot of drivers over the years. One thing I've noticed is I've only noticed recently is as drivers get a lot older, it's not okay to go out and finish twentieth anymore. We know people who will maybe get opportunities in say NASCAR. Um, and it's at a point where it's like, well, do I really even want to go to this race? And it's, you know, it's my dream to drive NASCAR, but I'm going to finish 30th because that's all the cars capable of. Right. So is it really worth ruining another yeah. weekend? Yeah. I don't think that's what happens. Yeah. I, I think, of course, I'm speaking from personal experience. So there I am pounding around Watkins Glen and the USGP in 1972 before the brakes are gone. Yeah. And I'm doing fine. And I'm thinking about my cat that died that week. Really? That's when you stop. I didn't. Yeah. For three years after that, I whatever. Right. And Bill Simpson, the helmet guy, who God knows how ended up driving in Indianapolis yeah. once yeah. or twice, not well. That's why he had to develop safety gear. Right. he knew right. what he was capable well, of. Because he kept hurting himself. Yeah. Said that. Yeah. I was driving around the speedway, and I was thinking of... And I knew, and he stopped. Yeah. I didn't. Good for him. Yeah. Um, Rick Mears had a very similar story. Like, it seems like that's a parallel kind of kind of path. So, so 
the thing's going pretty well for you. The school, it's building and building. You're at a $34 million operating company, and you sell. Service company. Service company. There's, we work with three or four other companies back then. Yeah. Um, we're doing a lot of car, not other racing schools. We're doing a lot of car manufacturer work. Mm -hmm. And we did a program then for BMW yep. that cost them $10 million. Okay. We did the program. We yes. were the upfront guys. Yep. We got $1 million. $9 million went someplace else. Right. And it mostly went to the company that got the tents, got the yes. facilities, yes. Got the, the other made the, the videos, yeah, subbed yeah, yeah. all right. that out. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we worked with them mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And when they got a program, they hired us. Yeah. When we got a program, we hired them. Yeah. We worked together beautifully. We we really liked each other. Yeah. Then there was a company in Southern California. I don't remember their name. They're probably still there. They were the the. Let me give you an example, sure. since I can't describe what they did. So. Oldsmobile mm -hmm. deliberately picked a car out of business, company out of business, <laughs> builds a new car. Yes. It's like he's protecting us for us. Yes, yeah. he's doing a good job. <laughs> builds, a, builds a new car. Yeah. And now they need reasons, things to crow about. Yes. And they hire this company, and this company figures out you can get more balloons in yep. the trunk of that's an Oldsmobile right. than any other so car. It's, it's a ride drive company, basically. They are partly. Yes. And that's where is this it, is headed. Is this AMCI? We almost bought AMCI. Right. Yeah. No, this okay. is a different one. Okay. AMC was MCI. Yes. No, these are guys. They got, because of the work they did for car companies, in very early mm -hmm. when it was time to bid on a project. The most profitable part of our business was that work. I mean, and we were the 800-pound gorilla in that business. The AMCIs provided the services. We provided the people. This company out there who provided this, yeah, more golf clubs in the back of a Jeep than in a, um, and the Richard Petty driving experience, who also did car manufacture programs and did something totally different than us. They were in the entertainment business. We all wanted to become one company. And we had actually picked the AMCI equivalent. They were going to provide the treasurer, Jim Bowie, my guy, was going to be the marketing manager. Petty's guy was going to be the... I mean, we had this all, all worked out. out right. But we needed a lot of money. So... When I sold the company to this investment... And this was 1999? Yeah. Um, I sold 80% of it. And I was to run it, and there was, and I got paid some chunk of that, and the rest we had to earn, yeah, and, and earn out a normal thing, and all that was to go to staff, um, and that was like seven million dollars for employees. It was a big number. Um, I mean, particularly go back then, that's probably twenty million dollars now. Um, and one of the critical things in that was that as these other companies came in, we were to get credit for their earnings. That was to go into our EBITDA. In other words, if, let's say we had to make $4 million a year to making up numbers yeah, sure. to get into this 
but if one of these when one of these companies came in, if they made four million on their own, we would get two million towards okay. our number. Okay. So our guys were going to get the money. So the first company, we sat down, we signed the papers on the deal of selling Skip Barber Racing School to this investment firm. And on that day, I said to the guy, I got good news. I had been saving this. I mean, I was happy with this whole thing. I got good news. I got the first company ready to go. And, you know, they, of course, said, great, great, great. And I said, and they, of course, want to meet you. And they said, well, of course, we So, and and the guy said to me at the end of the meeting, our new boss, do you mind if maybe I met him alone for the first time? And I said, I said, no problem. One of those retrospective red flags. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, but not the time. No problem. Yeah, yeah. So he met with a guy and he said, and the, the guy was, we had this all set up. Had this all set up. He was all for it. Um... And the guy I had sold the company, she says, look, instead of having you be part of Skip Barber, we'd like you to be a separate company. You, know, you the individual reporting Skip Barber. Us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, instead yeah. of being part of this new group, okay. we'd like you to just be part of us. Sports <clears throat> Capital was the name of the firm. So Ooh, we wow. lose the earnout. Yeah, right, right, The right. guy leaves. The guy we were... Our friend that ran the other company went home, called a guy who worked for me, who he knew best in our company, and said, I'm out of here. He's, uh, he's screwing Skip. He's screwing everybody. I'm gone. So we were done. And, and this is like day two. It's, it's, it's absolutely week two. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they had borrowed the money to buy us, leveraged buyout. And now, without any of the income from the other companies, and have you ever heard of? Oh yeah, they had. They're, co- they're they, a big talk in L.A. So. They had committed to bring five million dollars a year to us in non-automotive sponsorship. We had about that much. We had a million dollars a year from Michelin. We had all the tires in the world. We had three million dollars from Chrysler. We had a lot of neat stuff. All of which we spent on the programs. That didn't go into anybody's pocket. Right. That's that's how we right. could do it so well. But, and you're, I mean, beyond your own personal buyout, but you're, like, you already got sort of a, a buyout sum of money, so you're still fine no matter what happens. You personally. Me personally, but though I got like, a whole lot less. Right. Than, but by you being shuffled out, now all these guys who spent 30 years of loyal service, a guy like Terrier, he's well, now completely fucked. Well, that's what I'm he, saying. He, he right. is screwed right away by this this trying to do a separate deal with this other company um so 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 we have two problems there nobody's getting their earn out money but they borrowed all the money to buy us and now we can't pay the debt so if if i had been smarter i would have realized within 30 days we were doomed i didn't um he had made this huge commitment and they never produced a penny. And they're nice guys. The problem was that it wasn't the president, it wasn't or the guy running the company for him. He started it. He was the guy um, that made the deal with us. It was a guy a couple levels down who was getting a commission on bringing us into the field. 
and and we never understood their sales system. They had offices all over the world. So the guy in the Los Angeles office had he had Joe, Monta- Joe Montana. I don't know if he had Tiger Woods. He had Joe Montana. He had a couple of golf tournaments in the L.A. area. And he had another prominent person. They had Michael Jordan. Um, and they got paid the same commission on finding something for Tiger Woods as for something, something for Skip Barber. Same commission rate. Right. Well, come on. Who's You're going to get $2 million for him and $50 for us. Yeah, right. Um, right. So who's so going to get the attention? They never sold anything. And the guy that was running the company had no idea that this deal had been made. He became the chairman of Skip Barber. Lovely guy. Nice guy. Ended up running the Cleveland Browns and then doing something else. Good guy. Unaware of what his staff was done. So anyhow, I had not known what a leveraged buyout is. That's where you borrow the money to buy a company and the company's earnings make the payments. Well, without the IMG money, this mythical $5 million, and without the contributions from these other three or four companies, there was no way we could make the payments. No way. They were something like three times the biggest profit we had ever made. We were absolutely doomed. And finally, we convinced them in the first year, look, you got to change this. you got to pay off this bank debt. you got to let us do our thing. Run the way you know how to run. And they said, no problem. We'll give you the money. We'll pay you back all the money. Because we'd been making all these payments, and we were now totally stripped. Um, And we went to New York to collect the money they said they were giving. They said, we've changed our minds. (laughs) When you invest, I didn't know any of this stuff. When you commit to make an investment in a fund, you might commit $300,000. You don't write a $300,000 check. You're committed for that. The first little company they buy, maybe everybody gets tapped 30000 We were the first company they bought. And so there were all these big commitments and, you know, they didn't put it. The guy that ran the company was afraid to go back to these people and say, I have f***ed up. The first company we have bought is oh, in trouble. Right, right. So for him, it was better to say those guys are incompetent. Okay. Um, we're going to let them to go bankrupt so we can get on to bigger things. Leverage deal, yeah. And the school went bankrupt. Nobody knew it, but we went bankrupt in remarkably short time. Um, and it was invisible. And it's not your doing, but yet your name is all over this. Mm. Right. Well, they bought the name. Not right, only right. is it not my doing, there's nothing I can do, do about that's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And I was happy to sell it. They had a deal that Walmart was going to sell Skip Barber batteries and some aviation, whatever. So it was really sad for the guys like Terry. Yeah. It really was. And there were a lot of them. How long from signature to bankruptcy? Bankruptcy, what was it? Less than two years. Jeez. So, and we were a strong company. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah you were doing fine. Main player. But yet, Skip Barber didn't go away in 2001, so what was the next iteration of it? I put together a group of, I wanted to buy a bat. Right. And for your namesake or for the sake of the guys working there? All of us. Yeah. Um, get back to doing what we were doing. 
I mean, I had never planned on leaving. The terms you thought you signed for were for you to still be right. running yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And there was no question about that. I was. Right. So in an effort to buy it back, I only knew one investment banker, a guy who raced at our series. And I asked him if he would help me buy it. Biggest snake it turns out in the world. If he would help me buy it back. Absolutely. And he said, sure. His little investment banking firm was in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd run with us for a long time. He was a corporate customer. Right, right. So I start talking to other customers who might be interested. The guys that own the company yeah. are saying, you know, we'll give you 60 days to solve this problem or something. You've got to go talk to Roger Penske, do this, do that, do that. So I'm feeling pretty good about these guys are going to help me buy this back mm-hmm. and nobody's going to ever know anything and we're getting down towards the deadline and calls me and says you know would you mind if we did this on our own and of course you'd still run the company but if we the right. which had some different name sure did this i thought i just want somebody to do it i was really stupid yeah. i just want somebody to do it and I introduced them to the customers I knew who were interested in participating, and they put together a group of five or six guys mm-hmm. all raced in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I thought, great. Um, and they did it. And then they started to come into the building, and oh my God, um, they wouldn't. I mean, this was a company that was built totally on trust. Mm-hmm. They never. They freaked out if ever one of them wasn't there to watch us. Mm. Um, the, the team that had put together. Yeah. 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 It, w- it was suddenly totally different. Um, they, and they, it took a while. Within, I think, a month, the three or four best guys left. And within six months, the whole top line was gone. Right. I was the only guy there. Me and Steve Sewell, who's now the Limerick track manager, and Jeremy Dale, who ran the, managed the pro yeah. series. Yeah. We were the only three guys left. Um, and it was suddenly full of distrust. And, and it didn't take too long before the next line. You know, maybe a year. We're gone now. They're down to the say, third once, string. Once the toxicity hits, this is where, yeah. So so what happens between that period until, like, it, it's basically gone, you know, which would have been, well, like. Well, when did you leave? If I had to guess, I'd say 2009 was my, 2008 was my last year. 09, I didn't work there. I, I quit. It, I it, never quit anything. I quit. Yeah, I quit it, went, it went well after that. It went till about 2014. With some of the best guys still working there, but embarrassed about it. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'd get, I'd get phone calls from people uh, that would say, hey, a friend of mine's doing the Skippy School this weekend. Can you go just hang out? You know, just like, just go hang out for him as a favor. Like, yeah, no problem. And I went, and uh, the one thing I remembered about, I was at a Red Atlanta, like, track day. Nothing worked. All the cars were breaking down. The trailers, the trailers couldn't work. You know, like, just basic things. I remember a car ran out of gas or something done, which should never happen. And the tow truck they sent to go get it broke down, leaving the pit lane. I'm just like, wow, you know, this is bad. bad. There's crash cars everywhere. Yeah, right, yeah. you know. So, But you're, this whole time, you're still involved. Mm. I mean, I no, know no, your name no, is no, on no. it. Okay, you, so you're completely out. Yeah. What's your... I'm suing them. Okay. Oh, wow. So at what point, like, so 
you get in with the two bleeps. Eventually, tier after tier of people within the group start leaving because they don't like the, the direction that it's going. At what point do you go from still being involved because you signed with these guys to now you're out as well? No, 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 no. I guess I don't understand. No, no. Yeah. I sold it in 99. Right. I worked until 01 mm-hmm. for the company I right. sold it to. part of a rearrangement. A lot of guys are going by then. I'm just hanging on trying to keep it going. Um, and maybe that's 2000. doesn't matter. That buy it in 2001. And I'm determined to stay there. And they're saying, oh, we're giving you this wonderful contract. We really want you. Oh, bullshit. Um, what I later realized was they, the building that they were in. Did you ever get to the Lakeville building? No. Most beautiful yeah. office building right. in western Connecticut. So the building they were in. The one that Sam Posey designed? No, he designed everything to track. He didn't design uh, okay. this building. Yeah. There's a picture in his book of the Connecticut building. Yeah. Um, the uh, I owned. Yeah. So they were paying rent. Sure. They were paying me pay, and of course they were renting Lime Rock. Mm-hmm. So one of the investment bankers who's part of this group is saying, holy cow, guys, we're giving Skip $400,000, mostly Lime Rock track rent, sure, sure. $400,000 a year. So the first thing we're going to do is tell them we'll give them two hundred. <laughs> And to the balls. Yeah, but the, to so, Barbara, the track owner now. Yeah right. yeah, right. And at the same time, they're saying, I mean, they've been saying, we, you know, we got this great contract for you to run the company. Yeah. And I'm saying, great. Show me. Let's see it. Well, we, we want to do all the deals at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that what that meant was we want to cut everything in half. Right. I mean, I just didn't know about that kind of stuff. Um, anyhow. This is a life lesson for a lot of people yeah. in racing because I, I guess I've just been around enough shady stuff that everything everyone offers me ever, I'm always thinking, yeah, Skeptical. how's this screwing me? Well, it also sounds like, you know, because you started this with, without a plan per se and you were just sort of around people that wanted to make it work, you built 30 years of trust in that, mm-hmm. of just knowing that if the right people are around and to the point that you sort of become numb to the idea that when somebody shady comes in, maybe your guard was down had a no bit. lawyer. Yeah, right. right, that's, right but that's right. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm saying your guard was down because you didn't have a lawyer because yeah. you'd had a good team yeah, around you. Like, you didn't you need, need one. Yeah. yeah. I 100% get this. It's like, never mind. I'm not going to make the joke because then it'll happen. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I guess I'm still confused. So, so when the... Um, with a merger deal in 99, in 99 goes south after a couple of years and you're trying to bring them in, um, they're going to give you a contract to still run the deal. Um, at me, what point let, are you not me, part of this? Let I guess. me do it again. Yeah. Because I'm trying to establish I, that I, you're not I running the company. The, I own the company. Right. I run the company. In 99, I sell it to a group called Sports Capital, um, run by a very proper guy who went to Oxford great ties everything very polished we're the first company they buy they're going to buy lots they're buying espn europe they're doing all kinds of things um they blow the deal of the combined companies that that part we understand so now within a month we're headed for disaster but we don't know it right understand this don't even know what a leverage buyout is right i mean heard the words but hadn't done the math doesn't produce now 
it's two years later. We've run out of all our money. Um, and they you, because of the debts that you owe back to the buy-in. I, I really don't understand this. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. You buy a house. Yeah. You make $20,000 a year. The mortgage payments on your house are $50,000 a year. At some point, this isn't going to work out. Right. That's where we were. But I guess that's where I'm, where I'm confused. The, the so. business, when you do a leverage buyout, right. the business you buy with borrowed money right. has to make the payments. Right. Okay. You don't make the payments. Right. That's so basically, so I'm if, if we're going with the home analogy, I'm buying a house on a mortgage, but it's a house I'm going to rent. And the rent's not near the rent's enough not to pay the, the mortgage payment. Yeah. That was essentially what you didn't realize was the deal that had just been structured. Right. Because we had been promised the $5 right. million dollars a year by IMG in writing. Right. But you're but still not going guaranteed. to be. But you as Skip Barber are still going to be the acting CEO in this company. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and one so of you the were. Big, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you are for the next two years until eventually there's such a wide chasm between what's owed and what's being paid in that, it's, that, that it just that, gets dissolved. That we have a choice. We can sell it to somebody. That was the goal. And that's when I wanted to buy it back. That's when got called. Or we can go bankrupt. And if you it, go bankrupt, not only is the company gone, but now everybody that's employed is gone too. Well, not quite. You can go bankrupt and sell the bankrupt company and keep going. And this was done with nobody knowing about it. They they changed the name of the company. I don't know what they changed it to. Bankrupted that company. This and then the came. Did. No, this is what Sports Capital. Oh, this was Sports Capital. Okay. So this is all from that ninety nine to two, let's call it two thousand one. Yeah, this is what's happening. Is they're yeah. bankrupting and you don't even realize it. Well. I realized it eventually. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, we're not telling this quite right. So when I'm unable to find Penske or somebody else to buy it, and I try to get to help me buy it, I mean, I need to borrow money to buy yeah, it. Right. Um, and he says, oh, we'll do it. And I say, great, just so somebody does it. And I introduced them to some other customers, and they brought up Watkins Glen. I drove out there and put them together on a race series weekend. And they do it, and we, for a very short period of time, think, thank God. So this is your initial money. Yeah. And then they come into the building and start telling us what to do and how things should be done. Right. We got to get rid of the Pro Series, which was our biggest marketing tool. Right. Got to get rid of the Pro Series because it does make a profit. So you're trying to say this is a lost leader is what you're hoping yeah. for. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, it became so, and, and people bailed. Jim Bowie, the marketing guy, I was talking, he bailed in a week. <laughs> wow. Um, I so mean, I he, he asked at a company meeting that I was not at, I was traveling. He asked Culver, Skip, is going to still run the company? Culver said, absolutely. And then within five days, Bowie realized, no. Nah. Right. And so, he left, and then everybody was out the door. So the c***ers come in, they buy it. When, at what point are you no longer part of this? I probably lasted a year, okay. maybe three-quarters of a year. Okay. And that, that's what I was trying to figure out. Was and so, I just couldn't. So you just walked out, or they said we shouldn't be together anymore? or Because you don't own it. You're just sort of helping run it, and you're having less and less authority to do so. They didn't say you're having less and less authority. It just kept happening. But it was, and I quit. My guess is I quit before they found a way to force me out. 
Okay. I didn't quit because of that. I quit because I couldn't stand it. Oh, I understand why you would have quit. How did that go down? They were shocked. Like, was it a barging in or just a calm, guys, I, I can't do this anymore? No. I don't remember what the pretest of, pretext of having a meeting was. I think they were going to probably reprimand me for something, nothing major, or tell me. And I presented them with a couple of letters. I had spent all weekend writing goodbye letters to race series participants, instructors, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I said, here, I'm said, I'm out of here. I'm sending these letters out. I read one of them and said, my God, this is a beautiful letter. you. Um, and um, I sent the letters out and walked out the door. Basically making it now very publicly known without issuing a press release, but making it yeah. very publicly known, hey, everyone that would know, Skip Barber is no longer Skip yeah, Barber. But these were all people I really liked. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. But it's a way to get the word out without, without doing anything. Getting sued for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I even did a release. I don't remember. Well, it sounds like send it. Yeah. the way this paddock works, you don't need to do yeah, a release exactly. if you know it's the right small people. small world and you say the right thing, the right yeah, person. You could start yeah. a parody account and just what? let two people know. Center of drivers. <clears throat> God forever. And then... Deflection. The One of the things they got... Um, Buying the company was the lease at Lime Rock. Yeah. And they these were all these were all tied in together as one group. Oh, the lease at Lime Rock. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking ownership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they reinterpreted that lease. Okay. Um, and it had been written by two major law firms who had kind of screwed it up. Um, and there, so there was some ambiguity in it. Um, and... I ended up having to sue them yeah. because they were really screwing Lime Rock. You as the owner of Lime Rock had yeah. to sue them, right? Lime Rock sued yeah. them. Um, and we won. I mean, we got the money. They didn't get anything. By basically violating the lease. Yeah. 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 But, you know, we got enough money to... Um, and we got $4,000 enough to pay the lawyers. And, but it right. didn't do us any good. And the judge made a couple of mistakes which he did on what the lease meant and it gave them at least one way to aggravate the hell out of us yeah, going right. forward sure. even though it didn't matter much financially and boy they took advantage of that okay and, and did the thing that people would keep saying to me is that like the worst part of this is that skip's name's getting dragged through the mud because literally your name is still on all these things and what but the stories we would hear is like yeah the road america uh, shop got padlocked you know, today the instructor showed up. They couldn't run the school because the doors were locked because the sheriff had to come because of bills unpaid and things like that. And at the time, I'm still working there going, uh, hmm. And Great irony. We built that building at Road to Market <laughs> just for the record. Jeez. We paid for that, that big building. Yeah. And so <clears throat> here's your name literally on the building, you know. So I can't imagine the just personal issue with that. Not easy. Yeah. Not easy. I gave up. I, I, for a long time, anybody who brought something like this up, I would explain how I didn't own the school. I just gave up after a while. I, 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 it didn't matter how many times I said it. That Well, yeah, and you can't expect people to know to an extent. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's kind of what, so from, let's call it 2000, you were sort of officially out in 03? 
Oh, I was. I didn't make it that long. Okay. Oh, two oh one. Um, but effectively, until it sort of changed in 2014. I mean, that's a 12-year period. Um, what was that like for you, uh, in terms of just knowing that this continually declining company has your name on it? People are coming to you. I mean, you say at a certain point. You, I mean, it sounds like at a certain point you really did just sort of give up and be like, "Well, this is just the problem I have now, and and that's going to be well, it." You know, I get a couple comments about that. When a guy came up to you and said, hey, I just did the school. Let's say this is 2010. I'd brace myself and always they would say that I had a great time. I'm Uh, ready to say, I have nothing to do with it. It's not mine. And I said, (laughs) I had a great time. And I'm thinking about those awful cars, how everybody's working for nothing. Nobody's getting paid. And the customers were happy. It might not have been half of what it was, but it was still a pretty neat experience. And it reminded me of when in the beginning when I was instructing, every now and then the instructors, we'd say to each other, oh my God, this is the worst school we've ever done. Everything went wrong. It rained every day. It snowed. And at the end, all those students would say, oh, God, this was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Greatest example. Did you know Barry Waddell? Yeah, of course. So yep. Barry's doing a school at IRP. Yeah. Thank goodness it's qualifying week at the Speedway. Okay. He's doing a school at IRP, a three-day racing school, and the truck bringing the cars from God knows where. Sure. Something really goes wrong. Okay. First day, no cars. Second day, no cars. But it's Indianapolis and qualifying month, and the field is full of school graduates. Right. So off they go to the Speedway, and Danny Sullivan hosts them, and um, Michael Andretti, I don't know. Sure. All these guys that have either taught or been to the school. And finally, the third day, the cars show up, <laughs> and they run, you know, six in the morning till really midnight. Run them out. Yeah. As long as daylight, <laughs> which is long in yeah. Indiana, yeah. that time of the year. Yeah. And everybody leaves thinking this is the greatest experience. Right. I mean, yeah. whatever. So, many years later, students going to this horrible school with good instructors mm-hmm. are saying, this was great. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel so bad about being unable to tell people yeah, right. this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Right. I just, and I'm, I'm impressed you because people will tell, uh, let's call it, let's use the dinner with racers example. People will tell us about episodes that I'm not proud of and be like, I love that. I'm like, oh, right. Let's yeah. let you enjoy that experience rather than me say how horrible it was. So I totally understand that. So if it's able to sustain at what point there had to be a period where you, you know, you're hearing people say nice things, even though in your head, you know, it's not the way it should be. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go on a limit. Say at a certain point, you gave up on taking it back, so to speak. I like gave up time, quick. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like by time 2002 to 2010 is around, you're just like, it is what it is. I can't do anything about right. it. But yet, if I if I understand things as they are today, you are back with Skip Harbor Racing School. Mm-mm. Oh no, it's still okay. No, 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 oh, no, okay. no, no. Um, eventually, went bankrupt. Right. Yay. I went to the bankruptcy hearing. Did you really? Oh, yeah. The bank, a Connecticut bank that they owe more money to than anybody except Lime Rock. They owe Lime Rock the most money. Put them in bankruptcy. Okay. The company gets sold. It gets sold to 
a retired New York City policeman? What? Hmm? A really <laughs> nice guy. And he did well enough that he was able to buy the school out of bankruptcy. Okay. He was already operating a school, I don't know if he called it a racing school or sure. whatever, at New Jersey Motorsports Park using Mustangs, nice Mustangs, right, yeah. that he bought from Miller. Yeah. And good guy. Okay. Hardworking guy. I, I like him already. What was the name? Anthony DeMonte. Oh, oh no. There okay. you go. I do that, eh? Yeah. I don't know if he was an Eric City undercover policeman or not. Well, he's not anymore. He just blew it. Yeah. Yeah. Check his up now. He just <laughs> killed a man. Um, nice, hardworking guy. And it's a little family business. Yeah. So they were at New Jersey Motorsports Park with eight or nine mm-hmm. Mustangs. Well maintained. Sure. I think his family background is they have a really nice body shop on Long Island. Okay. Which does car restorations and stuff. Sure. This is not a Earl Scheib paint shop. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> and they are trying really hard. Okay. Men, they do schools at Lime Rock, Road Atlanta, just a couple, yeah. Sebring a couple. Right. They've made it to Laguna. Um, they have a very small fleet, so they have to operate moving the cars around by the calendar sure. instead of doing oh, absolutely. all so at once. The same group, and they're like, yeah. Yeah. Road Atlanta, right. and now we go to yeah. Laguna, yeah. And right. based on the time here. But most of these, built, almost all these racetracks now have proper infrastructure, so you can mm-hmm. use a classroom or an yeah. office. Yeah. 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 But that yeah. sounds like a sensible attention to the bottom line. You're right, right. You know what I mean? Until you see if you can make it work, and then... Right. If and you can do you build, it, you, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's right. what I'm saying. Everything sounds very sensible yeah. with this current approach. It's exactly what we did at the beginning. One yeah. trailer load of cars so running see around like maniacs yeah. builds it. Um, so I don't remember your original question, but so they're out there trying hard, and I, God knows, I wish them well. I have no association other than I want them to do well. Right. So skate barbers, it is today, is not part of you. It, yeah, no. Yeah. But I'm sure a supporter of the, of the cause because it seems like it's the yeah. right guys behind it. Yeah. And it's yeah. Yeah, heart yeah. and soul for a change. So I saw them at Road Atlanta, I think, a year ago. I was there for something else. And uh, like, like you actually mentioned, the, the cars are all really well maintained. And the last time I had seen a skip barber school. You don't it, need to go there. Yeah. I was really. You never saw good cars, probably. Um, have you ever done like a full tally of how many guys ended up in IndyCar and IMSA and F1? I think for something like 15 straight years, we never had less than a third of the field at Indy. Jesus. And more than that in cup racing. Really? And eventually, NASCAR started sending us every guy mm-hmm. who was graduating into cup from right. what used to be the now the Infinity Series, what yep. used to be one down. We get all those guys. All the Bush guys. Yeah, all the Bush guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they made them to they didn't race pay. or to learn how to they, road race. No, they made them come to a school. Yeah, to, to learn, learn how to road, road race. race. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, who was the worst? That's actually really good. Like who started out terrible? I don't know. Yeah. The first one I remember was we opened the mail. This is just when we were starting, and there's a check from Johnny Rutherford to do a three-day school at Sebring. He was huh. the first guy, and then Jeff Jeff Gordon came and yeah. paid twice. He did okay on road courses. He was a terrific guy on Pretty road courses. Yeah. yeah, no, but he was a, he wanted to be a road course racer. Um, but he went the right way for him. He is still a big supporter. You're going to tell me you never got one of these because you could trust your guys, and I'm going to not believe it. 
Um, what was the dumbest phone call you ever got <laughs> about, I don't know what, but like, hey, boss. One of the instructors slipped a van again. Yeah, like wrecked rental cars. Ooh. Got, well, a, got a student pregnant. Like, what, what was the dumbest oh, thing you ever got a phone call for? Right, continue. Go on. <laughs> this is more about how dumb I am. Okay. It took me years before I realized this great instructor contest that went on at Road America. Yeah. Okay? You put two instructors in a rental car. You blindfold the guy behind the steering wheel. Oh, God, yep. You had no idea about this. This, I didn't for years. <laughs> and what I really worry about was they weren't rental cars. Uh-huh. You I know, they were school sedans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy in the passenger seat, Isn't this is the, who now. the contest is about. He tells you, okay, this is who can do the fastest lap blindfolded. Right. With blindfolded. Somebody, with somebody barking at you, brake, turn right. Not barking, telling you how to do it, right? <laughs> These are instructors. Yeah, you're coaching you around with a stopwatch running. Um, I just love it, but I'm glad I didn't know about it at the yeah. time. And I don't know who was the best. Dorsey Schroeder was in there someplace. Oh, Somehow, yeah, and yeah, he was probably up. loaded, too. Yeah, so. he was yeah, hammer drunk. No, uh, no, 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 not during a school, not fair. Mm, no, no, it's he's fair. on record. It's fair. Yeah, I don't believe it. Not, I don't. Okay. Not during. Well, I'm trying to convince you. Okay. Not during. So, uh, well, maybe. What's the? <laughs> no, I don't. I like that you're thinking about it. So we do a pass along question um, where we ask our previous guest asked a question of the next guest and so on and so forth. Um, you've kind of already answered this, yeah. um, but uh, we were just having lunch with uh, Sam Posey, and his. Pass along question was basically just asking about the time at Mosport that he raced Jim Clark. It was a two heat race, and you guys finished first and second. Yeah, yeah wow! I didn't even know Sam knew about that. Oh. Yeah, I, I mentioned that earlier. That was my first professional race. I was driving a Lotus Twenty Three. And, and who so, is this, Jim Clark? Yeah. Did he on. did he know Lotus Twenty Threes? <laughs> he was a very nice guy. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that might have been the year he won Indianapolis. I think. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Right. And there were two 100-mile heats, and I beat him in the first one by about six feet. Yeah. I mean, we just battled the whole way. Right. Yeah. And I'd never been to a race like this or that long, and I'd used up all my brakes and, of course, had no spare brake pads <laughs> and had to go over to the guy running his car, and there's Clark standing with him. I'd never seen him before. Sure. And I asked the guy that owned his car, uh, you have an extra set of brake pads? And he said, yeah, but, and he turned to Clark and said, <laughs> we going to give this guy, I mean, they had no idea, I doubt they knew my name, yeah. um, we going to give this guy or sell him whatever it was, brake pads, and Clark said, of course. And then we had the second 100-mile heat, and I had him for probably 100, no, 90 miles, mm-hmm. and a guy blew up right do you know Mossport? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the corner before the pits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The left, the tunnels under it. Yep. Yeah. Turn nine. Right? Is that turn nine or turn seven? Yeah. I don't nine. know the numbers. Yeah, it doesn't nine, matter. Yeah. Left, yeah. right, tunnel under. <laughs> Tunnel's important in this. Okay. Um it's changed. And as we enter the left, the guy in front of me in a rear engine a Porsche yeah. racing car, not a nine eleven and a you know, a RSK or mm-hmm. something. Motor blows I may be, at that point, 60 feet ahead of Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit the oil. I'm into the tunnel. Yeah, wow. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. No no barriers. Yeah, right. right. I'm gone. I'm out of sight. Yeah. Out of the park. And when it's, I can't figure out where I am. That didn't matter. Clark saw me hit the oil, yeah. slowed up, yeah. and he made it through the corner. So even though I had I'd beaten him for 190 miles, he passed me once. I passed him back on the same lap. Um, I didn't officially beat him. Yeah. So our next guest is young Robert Dyson. Wait a minute. Robert <laughs> or Rob. Chris? No, Rob. It's going to be Rob. Rob Sr. Rob Sr. It's, yeah. it's Rob, I think. Big Mr. Dyson. Who was a director of the Skip Barber Racing School when I sold it to these bad guys. Oh, no kidding. I, I got to select one director, and Rob was the guy I selected. Oh, okay. And he was terrific. I believe everyone. And really supportive. He still can't figure out, just like me, how something so good got ruined so fast. Sure. Ask him that. I mean, he'd say that. <laughs> I don't is, know. That, is that your question? Well, usually we try to have, like, is there some, like, thing that you would know that we wouldn't about Rob? Oh, okay. Would, Ask him about the underwear in Ontario. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't know about either. Ask Rob why he never bought Lime Rock. Damn it. He would have been a really good guy. I'm not trying to sell it to Rob. <laughs> it, ask, Are you ask interested? Right. Ask Rob. That's a good question. That's a great question. Yeah. He should have done that. He could afford it. He had the vision. You know, he's been a great help to Paul Fanner. Um, Rob's done a lot of good things in motorsports. So at what point did you buy Lime Rock? In 1983, I was afraid. um, It was owned by a Greek ship owner Mm. uh, who raced and who had finished racing, lost interest, was going on to other things. Mm -hmm. And I was worried about its future. Not that it would become a farm or a golf course, but that some wrong guys would buy it. And some very nice guys who were vintage racers and bankers in New Jersey and other Mm -hmm. places out of Connecticut wanted to buy it. Great. It was the home base of the racing school, very important to me, Mm -hmm. separate from very important to motorsports in the East. Um, And the first thing I heard about their plan was that they were going wanted to build a hotel at Lime Rock, not instead of a racetrack, but because you, you can't get a room around here on a major right, weekend. Right. But there's, oh, only, know. there's only a few major weekends. There's an awful yeah. lot of other days in the year, particularly in the winter, yeah. when right. there's nobody here. Right, so it's not um, a good investment to make. Oh, disaster. Yeah. So they wanted to build a big hotel at, or a hotel at Lime Rock, and I thought these guys are going to go broke. This yeah. just isn't going to work. And you've stayed in charge this whole time. There's yeah, never I've, been any sellouts yeah. or major I've, valleys. I've slowly bought them all out. And, right. it, you know, and i got to do something now. I have to, um, I mean, i got to secure Lime Rocks. I'm not going to be the guy that beats Father Time. Right, um, right. Yeah. And over the last <clears throat> five years, I think I've talked to six groups who were interested, inter- yeah. who were interested in buying Lime Rock and, haven't done it you know, for one reason or another. It wasn't the right situation for right. them or me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope I get that done soon. Yeah. Um, with the stipulation that stay a racetrack forever and that they be good neighbors. Right. That's, that's one of the things I was going to ask. Is you know, Lime Rock is is a very unique track, and so some of the like like as you put some of the future problems that the, the track is going to continue to face are are 
basically where you guys are. I yeah, mean, this right. is a very quiet, very conservative community. You know, Lime Rock is famously has some things that are very unique to it. We don't race on Sundays. Um, church across the street. Right. Yeah, that's true, correct? Absolutely. That, yeah, yeah, we don't race on We're Sundays. We're trying to change that, not right. the church, but the Sundays. Yeah. Like weekdays, the engines don't fire until after 10. Whatever. Or something that, yeah. 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 All, these, all these local problems. Um, so it seems very much like the there are parts of the community would be fine if it wasn't a racetrack anymore. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what... I mean, if you... Excuse me. If you yeah. lived next to it and you didn't pay a lot of money for your house because it's next to a racetrack right. and the racetrack went away yeah. and your house was worth a lot of more money, who would not be happy? Right. Yeah. 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 It's a good investment. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Um, it's the same as the people who move next to the airports, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same stuff. Um, so... What does that mean? That means trying to find what are what are some of the big challenges you you face right now trying to move it forward? Well, I've had people who want to buy it right. who weren't, in my opinion, the right Thank people. You. Okay. Who wouldn't get along locally yeah. or wanted to milk it. Oh, I see. Um But I'm talking to two different groups now. Okay. Um very different, very different goals. Who I think they'd both be okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I will. Here's the worst prediction of all time. Probably within two years, I will have solved Lime Rock's future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. That's certainly my goal. Sure. Anyhow, thanks, guys. No. I'm helping. Oh, did you just I'm, end this episode? Barbara, did you just... You big in this podcast? Yeah, you big in this podcast? Well, real quick. Excuse me. Let me... What what possessed you to start your own podcast? That's a good question. Because you seem like you got a lot on your plate as it is. Well, um... Oh, this is... You'll laugh at this. <laughs> Please tell us some PR guy so, told you. It's worse than that. Yes! <laughs> so, we hired this company to help us find sponsors. Oh, God, you pay for it. And that didn't work. Yeah. Thank, I hope they're not listening. You tune this out in the Northeast, okay? Um, <laughs> so we're gonna, we can regionally we're gonna mute. Block. <laughs> we can regionally yeah. mute. And that didn't go so well. Okay. And some guy there who's a really smart guy who I really like, and I'm not now pandering. Sure. Pandering. said, you know, if you did a podcast. Oh, there it is. <laughs> We'd have guys on the show that might be great potential sponsors. And now I'm looking at the two of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this and isn't uh, going to work. No, no, it's not. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so far, Do you know that saying, it hasn't worked. You know that yeah. saying about motorsports and how to, how to make it? Yeah, yeah, You yeah, start yeah. with a million dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That applies here. Yeah, that's 100% <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about the, the third rendition. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that started with Hesketh, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I yeah. He, he, was he was a Formula One entrant. Right. Yeah. Oh, we know, know the story of Hesketh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. I know there's I think a he was the one that gazillion that. dollars in racing. I know it because I put it there. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. 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 Something like that. Anyhow. So if you're not familiar with Skip Barber and you, and you click on this podcast, what would you hope that the listeners would take away as your legacy? I tried hard. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. I was trying to think of some wise guy remark, but... <laughs> but like turn it off, but but I, <laughs> I think that's one. probably I think that's probably you tried hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical racer, right? Mm-hmm. 
but true. I'd say you did fine. Give me step one. Man. It's not yeah. over. You we'll see. One. That's right. You own a racetrack, <laughs> right? Ryan, how many racetracks do you own? Uh, zero. Oh, right. Still zero. Yeah. How many 365 GTBs do you have, Sean? Uh, that would be none. Yeah. How many F1 races have either of us done? Guys, <laughs> it's, it's not over. We'll see. I'm 40. I gave it away. <laughs> I don't think F1's in my future. And uh, I've peaked. Yeah, I'm, so I'm going to go on a limb and say racetrack ownership's probably not in my business acumen. You could be an iRacing track hey. owner. I could be an iRacing track owner. Does Limerock have an official tire? Not right now. Perfect. Well, Continental's got the check. Does Limerock have an official tire? Continental. Um, <laughs> ho, ho. Good night, guys. <laughs> <laughs>about that skip barber uh, appreciate taking the time also thanks to everyone at lime rock park who helped make this a reality shout out to michael ducharme pete and ray oxyar who all recommended we sit down with them with any luck this was what you were looking for and uh, we'll close out with a song by mary ellen kirk the song is called heart in your hands you can find it on musicbed.com you think you need proof that our love is true but nothing you do could make me love you more You're trying so hard You think you need scars I only need you Only you Only you Slow down, stop running in circles I know you're never gonna let go Lie still, just hold me now, my heart's in your hands No, no, I'll never forget you No, no, I'm never gonna let you down It's done, it's over now, my heart's in your hands In your hands, my heart's in your hands In your hands, my heart's in your hands It bends and it breaks